Testing, one, two, three, testing, one, two, three. This is the Eric Yana Show, episode 42. Hello, and welcome back to History's Greatest Podcast. I'm Eric Yannis, and this is, of course, The Eric Yannis Show. Last week, I didn't manage to make it to every story. And while I did try to record another podcast over the weekend, my darn sound issues just wouldn't go away. So I apologize in advance if the sound quality is not top-notch today. Sound issues or not, I nonetheless wanted to make good on my promise to revisit some of the stories from last week. In particular, I wanted to address a story about Rashida Tlaib and the attempted censure of her Palestinian protesting. But first, if you enjoy The Eric Yana Show and would like to see it continue, then please consider subscribing to my Substack page at ericyanis.substack.com. The show is listener-supported, and we'd like to keep it that way. If you become a subscriber, you will get full access to my newsletter, Cato's Letters, which offers you digestible, quick, and often humorous overviews of the greatest debates in our culture today. Learn everything you should have in college in just 15 minutes a day. Like the time that Abraham Lincoln tried to kidnap the Chief Justice of the United States or why the national debt doesn't matter as much as you think it does. Or, if gaining untold knowledge and wisdom is something that just doesn't seem like you should pay for, please share the show with a friend or colleague who you think needs to hear the righteous illumination I offer in their life right now. To subscribe, visit ericyanis.substack.com. Again, that's E-R-I-C-Y-A-N-E-S dot substack dot com. Now, on with the show. Okay, last Wednesday, Blaze Media released a story about Rashida Tlaib titled, quote, Multiple Republicans Vote to Table Resolution to Censure Democratic Representative Rashida Tlaib, close quote. And it should have been titled, quote, Once again, wishy-washy neoliberals in the Republican Party give conservatives a double-barreled you-know-what by not officially censuring neo-Nazi Jew-hater and suspected terrorist ally Rashida Tlaib, close quote. They probably didn't have enough space for that title, so we'll give them the pass. If you're unfamiliar with the story, here are the facts. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene put forth a resolution to officially censure Representative Rashida Tlaib after her latest tirade of anti-Jew hatred. However, the resolution also claimed that Tlaib, quote, led an insurrection at the United States Capitol Complex on October 18th, 2023, close quote. It was, of course, referring to when a large group of anti-Jew protesters forced their way into the Capitol building in what can only be described 
as one of the darkest days in democracy, comparable to Pearl Harbor and 9-11. Hashtag never forget, hashtag never again. At least that's what Republicans would be saying if they were playing the same game as Democrats. But unfortunately for Republican voters, we have our airy principles to attend to, and we could not possibly stoop to the level of Democrats, even if it meant saving the Republic. And it was precisely this phrase, namely that Rashida Tlaib instigated an insurrection that seemed to have been the motivation behind Republicans voting against the resolution to censure Tlaib. U.S. Representative and self-proclaimed genius in disguise, Chip Roy called the resolution, quote, feckless, saying it was, quote, deeply flawed and made legally and factually unverified claims, including the claim of leading an insurrection. We should not continue to perpetuate claims of insurrection at the Capitol, and we should not abuse the term now, close quote. Republican Thomas Massey added, quote, January 6th protesters were not insurrectionists, nor were the, those led by Representative Tlaib. I voted to table a censure resolution of Representative Tlaib in part because it was modeled after legislation that condemned January 6th protesters. Also, free speech means protecting even the speech you don't like, close quote. Now, what are we to think of this situation? Don't these Republicans have a point? Shouldn't conservatives support the right of wildly unhinged evil women to speak from the podium of our government in order to incite violence against the Jews and to break the law by tra trespassing on public property, all in the name of free speech? There's two points I'd like to make about this. First off, most Republicans who voted against the resolution seem to be afraid of the consequences of saying to leave quote-unquote, led an insurrection. The consequences, of course, being that Democrats will use that precedent to attack Republicans in the future. Right. And what a terrible world that would be. Imagine, if you can, a country where Democrats weaponize the justice system against Republican politicians and citizens alike. That would be awful, wouldn't it? If we voted for this resolution, then Democrats would feel free to start charging Republicans with leading an insurrection whenever possible. And they could potentially throw thousands of innocent people into prison. Oh wait, that's already happening. What is the point of trying to avoid a situation you're already living in? The Democrats don't need our permission to start abusing terms like insurrection. They're already doing it whenever they like. So wake up and smell the coffee, Chip. What about the argument from free speech? Doesn't Rashida Tlaib have a right to say whatever she wants as a U.S. citizen? Isn't that what conservatives really believe? Stop being such a hypocrite, right? First of all, no, she doesn't have that right. Everyone, every single one of us, have a restriction on our freedom of speech. Every one of us have restrictions 
on all our natural rights. Let me use an example I have used on this show before. We all have a right to the freedom of movement. It is an extremely important freedom in the West, one that is denied in many other places. If you are a subject of the North Korean government, for example, you cannot choose to move out of the country. But even in the United States, we have restrictions on our freedom of movement. You cannot walk into the Pentagon or the Oval Office or even a military base or even my house whenever you'd like. Similarly, we have laws in this country which limit the freedom of speech. It is illegal, for example, to incite violence against another person or persons in this country. I think there is a fair argument here, given the legal precedent that's been established by Democrats, that Rashida Tlaib was at least in danger of inciting violence. Moreover, and more to the point, the House of Representatives have the legal authority to censure their own members under the powers given to them in the Constitution, under Article 1, Section 5, Clause 2. I suggest perhaps that Mr. Massey and Mr. Roy read the Constitution in order to get a sense of what they're talking about before they purport to teach others about its precepts. Furthermore, it is perfectly consistent with conservative philosophy to have reasonable restrictions on rights and freedoms. Firstly, because Rashida Tlaib is not a citizen of the United States. And no, I don't mean she was born in Iran or something like that. The concept of citizenship in the tradition of civic republicanism is one of a relationship to the state. A citizen is someone who, at least classically, is in the care of the state. And the state is in the care of the citizens. The status of citizenship, therefore, is a legal one, which denotes a special reciprocal relationship to the state. The idea has its origins, of course, in the Roman Republic, where the vast majority of people living under the rule of Rome were not citizens of Rome. To be a citizen of Rome is to be awarded a great many legal privileges. Rashida Tlaib, insofar as she acts as a member of Congress, is not acting as a U.S. citizen. She is acting as a member of Congress, namely a member of the state. And it is perfectly consistent with conservative philosophy, as well as classical liberal philosophy, by the way, to treat members of the state differently from regular citizens in all sorts of ways. So, for example, the U.S. Constitution empowers the House of Representatives to impose rules and censures on its, quote, own members, close quote, but fascinatingly, it cannot censure me. If I decide to say, for example, that Rashida Tlaib is a deranged, bloodthirsty maniac, there's nothing Congress can do to censure me about it. But Rashida Tlaib does not get that freedom because she is a representative of our national state. And this gets to a larger point, which is that many conservatives today think that the language of unlimited rights 
or the absolute sacrosanctity of the freedom of speech is the cornerstone of being a conservative, and that's hogwash. That whole idea is a caricature, not even of a conservative position, but of the classical liberal position. Classical liberalism, for some unknown reason to me, has become synonymous with conservatism in this country, but they're actually not the same thing. There is nothing in being a traditional classical conservative that requires one to worship at the altar of inalienable rights. Or at any rate, as I said, that's just a caricature of classical liberalism in the first place. Because even the classical liberals understood that there was always restrictions on our rights imposed upon us by our common obligations to one another. And finally, and perhaps most shockingly, the whole argument that Rashida Tlaib shouldn't be censured because she has a right to free speech is massively undercut by the fact that a House censure does not actually prevent someone from speaking. The word censure means to express disapproval. And the House's website describes the process as a ceremonial, quote, moral condemnation, close quote, of a member's behavior. It has nothing to do with censoring someone's speech. I think this pretty clearly details just how ignorant members of Congress are of their own powers and laws. Again, if the argument is that it's wrong to morally condemn Rashida Tlaib's comments because it infringes on her freedom of speech, then I assume Representatives Massey and Roy would be in favor of amending the U.S. Constitution and getting rid of the power for House members to impose any kind of punishment for any kind of unethical behavior by its members, because that would be an infringement at some level of their freedom of expression. I suspect instead that Chip Roy and Thomas Massey thought that the word censure was the same as the word censor, and therefore were simply ignorant. And once again, Republicans pay the price for incompetent leadership. While we're on the topic of rights we have in this country, you remember that whole right to the free movement thing I just mentioned? Yeah, well, you know, that's now coming under attack here too. From the Federalist, quote, if Biden gets his way, your next adventure out west will be canceled. Our freedom to roam is under assault from a plan to close everything off and make us ask permission before we enjoy it, close quote. What on earth is this article talking about? Well, it's referencing plans to close off thousands of square miles of public land from the American people. Just recently, the federal government closed 317 square miles of hiking land in Utah, and if Joe Biden gets reelected, that's just the beginning. This is all part of Joe's 30 by 30 plan, which purports to, quote, conserve 30% of U.S. lands by 2030, close quote. Never mind that there's no evidence that these lands are being damaged or in any danger of being abused by hikers. Joe Biden simply wants to close them off so we can all live happier lives, question mark. It's almost like the World Economic Forum liberals don't want anyone near nature or being rural at all. 
It's like they want to herd all of us into ugly, soul-crushing urban environments with no access to wildlife. But nevertheless, those nasty motorists who enjoy the outdoors and personal freedom have challenged Biden's plan in court as a violation of the right to access public lands. I think that this story offers a good example of what I was just talking about in the last story. Is it reasonable to restrict the public en masse from accessing public land? Well, the justification, according to Biden, is that we're all going to die unless we conserve this land. But his plan does nothing to show how cutting people off from this land will improve the environment. And as I've already mentioned, there's no evidence that the land in question is being damaged by quote-unquote climate change. What's even more ironic about this plan is that in many places, the federal government doesn't take care of the land at all. For example, the area in Utah that was just shut down last week has never, I repeat, never relied on the federal government to enforce environmental regulations. Instead, private citizens formed organizations that policed the area and took care of the environment. Until recently, that is. Now these same private citizens can no longer access the land that they've been safeguarding for decades. So, you know, if you're a Chinese spy or a Hamas sympathist, you can walk right into the sovereign state of Arizona or Texas. But if you're a citizen of the United States, whose tax dollars go to the government to maintain public land, which is incidentally maintained at the additional expense of private citizens, then you can in no way walk into these lands surrounding Moab, Utah, or you'll be thrown into prison. Makes perfect sense. Speaking of Joe Biden's genius-level policy ideas, let's talk about his latest alleged immigration plan. According to Breitbart, President Biden is reportedly set to unveil a plan that would pay foreign countries with American tax dollars to control the inflow of illegal immigration to the United States. That's right, folks. Later today, Biden is set to meet with leaders from several North and South American countries to lay out a plan to finance their economic projects. In return, Biden, quote, hopes, close quote, that they will help stem the tide of immigrants to America. According to Reuters, quote, the hope is to expand economic prospects in the Western Hemisphere so migrants do not head to the United States. Clean energy, semiconductors, and medical supplies were areas where the region could compete globally, one of the officials said, adding that increased cooperation efforts could also help Latin America <laughs> and get this, bolster work in space, an area where it has lagged, close quote. Right, <laughs> because we all know how the top concern of the American electorate right now is how South American countries are lagging in the space race. We should probably send billions more taxpayer dollars on developing these nations, which are known for their financial corruption and failed public projects. Only then will people living in those countries see the value of staying behind in them to work, rather than coming to America to be subsidized for not working. 
And since it's definitely the case that 6 million plus illegal immigrants that have come into the U.S. since Joe Biden took office are coming here of their own accord with no other intention than to, quote unquote, find a better life, and with no connection to China, sex slavery, or the international drug cartels, this plan is destined to be a great success. After all, when has throwing billions of dollars at a problem ever failed us before? Especially when it's money we don't have in a time of rising interest rates and unserviceable debt costs. Some conservatives may think a plan like this is idiotic or irresponsible. But thank God we have sharp minds like Representatives Chip Roy and Thomas Massey to help those conservatives see the light. That's all I've got for you today. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Eric Giannis, hoping the aliens take over soon, and this has been another episode of The Eric Giannis Show. As always, thanks for listening.